Lenny and Carl? You guys are Buddhists? Oh, yeah. If I didn't have inner peace, I'd completely go psycho on all you guys all the time. Well, I'm looking for a new faith, one that isn't so materialistic. Well, you've come to the right place. Buddhism teaches that suffering is caused by desire. <gasps> Richard Gere? Oh, the world's most famous Buddhist. Well, what about the Dalai Lama? Oh, you know, the 14th reincarnation of the Buddha Avalokiteshvara. Who's Buddha? It's a good thing Buddhism teaches freedom from desire, because I've got the desire to kick your ass. Mr. Gear, I was hoping Buddhism could bring me inner peace. Or is that just a pipe dream? <laughs> we all have dreams. Mine is of a free Tibet. That would be so great. I dream about meatball sandwiches. All you can eat for two bucks. Good luck. This pamphlet contains the teachings of the Buddha. All things are impermanent and are empty of inherent existence. Hey, Richard, in an officer and a gentleman, did you really do all those sit-ups? I wish. I did one, and they just showed it a thousand times. Four-finger discount, dude! Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we're here to review the annual Christmas episode. It is She of Little Faith, episode DABF02. I am Dando. And I am Guy. Uh, look, we should maybe say Merry Christmas, but instead we'll say Namaste, friends, given the uh, whole Buddhism theme of the episode. We're about to talk about She of Little Faith. As mentioned, I am Guy. That is Dando. Um, I don't know. Hang on. No. That is Dando. Yeah, I don't sideways. Know. Depends which way I put it this week. <laughs> And it's a, I, I think it's a pleasure to be here, but uh, we'd better ask the man himself. Dando, how are you, mate? Are you doing all right? I'm doing very good. Uh, on the weekend, I bought myself this scanner, right? So for the longest time, I've got these f- f- fucking shitloads of family albums of old family photos. And everyone keeps saying to me, you're going to scan, you're going to scan. And I had this printer-scanner combo, and it was just no good. No, so I went, screw it. Are. I went to Officeworks, and I got a proper scanner on the weekend, and I've just been scanning old photos. I mean, the patrons have been treated as some old-school Dando early 90s <laughs> photos of the past, over the weekend. So I'm very happy because when Nan passed away last May, um, she had all these photo albums, and it's just been so great just going through and finding all these old photos that I never even knew existed of just uh, memories that I sort of, they'll foggy my memory, but now that I've seen these images of it, I'm like, it did happen. That's right, and that's what it looked <laughs> like. And Yeah, so it's just, I've been, I'm in a good mood because I've just been going through all these old photo albums and... You know what I'm like, I love the nostalgia, just the nostalgic, it's almost like Nana's back again, you know, because she's always old photos of her, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's good, I don't know, sounds silly, but I guess, but, you know, just going through old photos just makes me feel happy. Your weekend sounds, uh, sounds very nice indeed, I had both highs and lows, because um, the lovely Louise is out of town for the week, she is uh, interstate, mm. she's on a week-long intensive, uh, <laughs> intensive, <laughs> and then she's bouncing on a trampoline. Uh, a week-long <laughs> intensive uh, for this course that she's doing up in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I look very. I'm, I'm looking at the camera, but I can see myself looking kind of shifty, like my eyes are going like this occasionally. Like that. So apologies for that. I mean, uh, any amateur psychologist or body language experts out there could probably have a bit of a field day with like, what's he lying about? I think he murdered. Judge Judy would have a field day with you. I'd have a field day with Judge Judy. <laughs> but anyway, so the lovely Louise is out of town for the week. We're, of course, communicating via text, and I'm flying up to see her next Saturday morning, and we'll do the drive back from New South Wales to Victoria for about 10 hours. Ooh. 10 hours in the car together. Can't wait. But also, um, my good friend Natalie had her 50th birthday party. I think I 
Yeah, 50th. I mean, you know, she's admitting it, so, you know, let's not play coy about ages. So she had a birthday party on uh, on Saturday night, which was fantastic. Had a very, very nice time. Had a few beers, talked some shit. Good times all around. <laughs> I'm just going back to that. You said 10 hours in the car with Louise. That's got to be make or break. Is that the longest you've been together in a, in a confined space? or? <laughs> Uh, we flew to Bali, but that was like six hours. Yeah, okay, yeah. I guess you can, uh, you, you, at least you can sleep on the plane or read a book or whatever. When you, see, I feel like true. when you're in a car together, you sort of feel like you have to at least talk for a part of it. When you're in a plane, it's just like, yep, yeah, right, I lights are fun. down, close my eyes, go to sleep. But in the car, it's like you have to engage. I hate engaging. <laughs> I feel no compulsion whatsoever uh, to engage. I think maybe early on in the relationship I did, it's like... Better keep her entertained. She'll find out how boring I am. And now that she sort of knows how boring I am, but, you know, the particular way in which I'm boring, I think she's probably like, yeah, it's good that he's not talking. But enough about our weekend, Mr. Davis. So we're here to discuss She of Little Faith. As we said, it's the annual Christmas episode. And I say that because back in the golden era of the show, they didn't do a Christmas special every year. But it seems now they tend to do one every season. We had the, the Funzo episode. We had Skin and Sense of Snow. Now we've got Sheer of Little Faith. And I say this is the Christmas episode of the season, but still, I feel like it's not a Christmas episode. It's just an episode kind of set at Christmas. Didn't feel especially Christmassy. No, not at all. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that. Not say it's a, <laughs> not, not say they didn't like it. I just don't really feel you can call this a Christmas episode. Even though the last act does kind of feel Christmassy, but I feel if you're not going to discuss Christmas until the final act of the episode, you can't call it a Christmas episode. Even if you're going to say all that, I mean, honestly, with that final third and everything, it's like, are they trying to get Christmassy on us? Because, I mean, it just, uh, it felt very wedged in. It did, Very yeah. unnatural. And, yeah, not especially cheerful. It felt like a Christmas episode in August or something. You know? Yeah, exactly right. It didn't have a very ho 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 feel to it. But apparently, Al Jean and the writers wanted it that way. They wanted to sort of they wanted to sort of slide into the Christmas angle rather than to be a, a, just a Christmas episode. Which I don't know. I, I I like Christmas, so I feel like I wish it was more Christmassy. <laughs> yeah, I like Christmas as well. But I mean, I also think if you're going to do a Christmas episode, do a Christmas episode. Don't yeah. try to sidewide around it or something like that, and then just throw in a few uh, Christmas sweaters and uh, and a tree and ho 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 at the end. And expect that to sort of create goodwill on earth and um, peace peace on earth and goodwill to all men. It's not going to work. It, it did, and it didn't work this time this time around. No, for definitely mine, not. At least. I, I still did like it. I thought it was a really nice story, except for the fact that it pretty much had the exact same template as Lisa the Vegetarian, where mm. she realizes that she wants a change in her life. And then all of a sudden, they shoehorn a celebrity guest star who suits that particular change. So we had Paul McCartney and Lisa the Vegetarian with being a vegan. And then we had uh, Richard Gere here with being a Buddhist. And they enlightened <laughs> the her. The most at the famous end. Buddhist. Yeah, they enlightened her at the end and make her realize, you know, you know you, you've got it all wrong. You can do this. You can do that. And she goes, oh, you know, and everyone's happy in the end. Except the only difference here is, at least in this one, she wasn't pushing her beliefs on everyone else, which is what the story of Lisa the Vegetarian yeah. was. Here, it was more everyone else trying to pressure her into not being a Buddhist. So it was sort of reverse roles there. But still, the whole celebrity cameo angle was exactly the same. It was very much. And look, I'm very partial to Richard Gere, so I was happy when he showed up. I've got no problem with that. Yeah, the whole thing about everyone sort of seemingly quite desperate to reconvert this one girl sort of bring her back to the fold seemed, I don't know, a little weird mm. to me. I mean, I think it's especially weird when you've got a priest outside a window 
telling a young girl, lick it, lick it. I mean... <laughs> Didn't even think of it like that. <laughs> that could be read any number of ways. Um, I think the problem, and it's not a huge problem, but the issue that I had with this particular episode is one that I have with a fair few of recent episodes. It doesn't feel like it's got a strong sort of central idea. It feels like a few ideas that are sort of mashed together. Yep. And not always successfully. I mean, yeah, sometimes you get a bunch of ideas that uh, may not seem like they'll work well together, and then all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, we've you know put Voltron together. Fantastic. This time around, yeah, it just felt like, hmm... I think Richard Gere's got a hole in his schedule. He likes Buddhism. You know, we can talk about we can talk about Buddha. Yeah, we'll also throw some Christmas in there. And reading up on the sort of the origins of this episode, I think the writer of it, I'm going to mis- mispronounce his name. In fact, I'm going to bypass it completely because Bill something. Sorry. It should, uh, Would you like me to read it out? <laughs> please do. <laughs> the writer of the episode was Bill Freiberger. I was about to say fine gold, so <laughs> it's either Freiburger or Freiburger. I'm going to say f- or Freiburger, okay. maybe Freiburger. F R E I Freiburger. So I was I was in the neighbourhood, but still hopelessly, hopelessly lost. He he made he made mention that he he came up with the opening I guess opening act about the rockets and everything like that. Yeah, a past experience of his from from his childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it just feels like. How can we connect all these things? And yeah, sometimes you can do that successfully, and sometimes you can do it in a way that's like, okay, I guess this sticks. Along, <laughs> this is going to hold together for approximately twenty-four minutes. Let's get the episode done. It's just kind of like Lisa. So she turns her back on Christianity because the church sells out to Mister Burns, but it's because your father blew the church up. So there's not like they just decided, hey, we're just going to start making money. They needed money in order to survive. And then, by the end of the episode, does the church just go back to normal again? Because Burns just gives him the money and he leaves. And that's never mentioned again. So, it's like, why is Lisa no longer a Christian? She turned her back on the entire religion as a result of something that doesn't actually matter anymore. True, but I think she did find a bit more solace and a bit more resonance with Buddhism yeah. as opposed to... Uh, I agree, yeah. The very, the very vague version of Christianity that the Simpsons seem to practice. I mean... They're just sort of garden variety Christians, but they don't seem to be like a subset of anything. I don't know if they're Catholic. I don't know if they're, um, I don't think they'd be Church of England. They're not Presbyterian or Lutheran or anything like that. I don't know what they are. I mean, I think they're just, they're people who go to church. What did you think of Richard Gere's performance? You said you, you enjoyed it. I felt his performance a little dull, but maybe that's just who he is. He Apparently he was really great to work with, but he just mm. didn't feel like he was giving it all that much. Well, I don't think the role called for all that much either. I mean, I think he was meant there to be sort of Richard Gere, Buddhism spokesman. Yeah, true. And sort of give off a very sort of calm, peaceful vibe. It's like, hey, I'm Richard Gere, star of Pretty Woman, an officer of gentleman, international sex symbol, silver fox before Clooney was a silver fox, all that kind of deal. But hey, I'm not letting it get to me because, you know, I've got the Buddha in my life, so meh, I'm just chill. I think his tone and his approach was... Appropriate. Yeah, it's not a character part, and it's not exactly an advertisement for, I am Richard Gere, and I'm on The Simpsons this week. It's more like, yeah, I'm here to tell you a, bit, a little bit about Buddha. I mean, he's a bit like the youth pastor of jokes, you know, like like they actually have in this episode. Hey, I knew a guy with long hair and some crazy ideas, you know. <laughs> so Richard Gere's the Buddhism version of that. It's like, hey, there's a guy called the Buddha, and, you know, you might want to check him out. He's actually got some uh, 
an interesting way of looking at the world. And, and of course, Lisa fell for it. <laughs> Not fell for it, but, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Lisa was very taken with it. And in all honesty, look, I've done a little reading on Buddhism in the past and Zen and, you know, a few other sort of belief systems to sort of wrap my head around. I mean, I don't think I've got the discipline um, and the um, and the frame of mind to go all in on the Buddha. But, I, you know, I... I certainly think it's a, a, you know, an interesting way of viewing the world. His approach to appearing on the show is very similar to Paul McCartney's, where he said that Lisa must remain... But actually, no, no, no. Paul McCartney said that Lisa must remain a vegetarian. Uh, Richard Gere said he'll only appear if Buddhism was portrayed correctly and, treated, mm-hmm. and not sort of made fun of. And if he gets to say the words free Tibet. Well, he wanted Lisa to say free Tibet, but ended up he being the one to say free Tibet. Yeah. But they did take a similar approach to writing stuff where they wanted to have a bit of a character change with Lisa. And it's good when they introduce something as serious as this that they actually stick with it. And she's still a Buddhist to this day. It's similar with the vegetarian thing. And I I think that's a really, really cool thing. I mean, particularly with the vegetarian angle as well, because no one really spoke about vegetarianism on TV, particularly on a kid's show in the 90s. And the fact that they were sort Mm. of... A lot of people sort of see that episode as like... They sort of say Lisa Simpson introduced a whole generation of kids (laughs) to being a vegetarian and being a vegan. And I think they really enjoy writing for the the character of Lisa, the writers, because I think they relate to her the most and it sort of comes through. I think so. And look, to maybe use an ill-chosen phrase here, writing about Lisa, it it puts a little meat on the bone. I mean, she she rarely sort of goes about things in a shallow fashion. Yeah, she takes a moral and um, a fairly major stance when it comes to not eating meat. Her initial purpose, at least in sort of seeking out Buddhism, is she's pissed off with the with the uh, commercialization of uh, of modern religion. You know, I mean, these are not super weighty topics, but I mean, they've got a little bit of substance to them. And yeah, I think you're right. I think the writers do do respond to that. Of course, they're going to do a few cheap gags and all that kind of business. But if they can actually base the episode or base the story in something substantial, then it's 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 to the show's benefit, I think. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that they say they enjoy writing for Lisa. Yeah. The episode was actually nominated for the Primetime Emmy for, what's the award, the Outstanding Animated Program for programming less than an hour? Uh, but they uh, lost. They lost to Futurama. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Roswell the Enswell, which is one of my favourite Futurama episodes of all time. So it was a good episode to lose to, but it would have been pretty funny being Matt Groening saying, I lost to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my favourite! What was your favourite moment from She of Little Faith? Alright, well hang on a sec, let me just uh, slap these bad boys on, because got new frames. Ooh, very sexy. Mm. The sum of the square Nerd. root of any two sides of a, a sausage <laughs> triangle is equal to the square root of the remaining two sides. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh man, I was going to quote that and then realised I couldn't, so I just went with nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple of little favourite bits. One when Lisa was on the God cam at the uh, the new commercial church and they gave her the thing pouting Thomas. <laughs> I just liked God cam. <laughs> God cam was pretty neat. But uh, pouting Thomas and I, a nice uh, riff on doubting Thomas. thought that was actually quite funny. And also at the end of that scene in the church, just where Dan's wailing as Homer and he's sort of doing a lot of, ah! <laughs> how was that? That's a, that's a little much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tones it down a bit. I just thought that his his muted wails kind of were quite funny. So yes, I enjoyed that a whole lot. What were your favourite bits from the episode, Mister Dando? Before I get to my favourite moments, can I just say, did you see my chair d- drop down just then? 
Are you paying no, attention to me? So, so viewers, no, I'm, be well I'm just looking at myself. I'm not looking <laughs> at you at all. <laughs> okay. So I actually pushed the Did button you? for the chair to go down. I just went, boop. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked Ralph and Milhouse as the pony. I thought that was very <laughs> funny stuff. I just, More sugar, please. <laughs> he was very confident about that. I must admit, it was a nice unexpected gag. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think there would be a horse in the wrapping, but I, I didn't think there would be a pantomime horse. <laughs> With Ralph, with and, Ralph and Milhouse. <laughs> I don't know why Milhouse was so excited. I mean, yeah, well, I guess every kid's are excited about sugar, but Ralph seemed to be the one who was getting all the sugar. Yeah, which is probably Unless... why Milhouse is very excited to go get some finally. But I just thought, it, I feel sense. the writers now see Ralph as a very important character because he appears a lot more often than he used to. You know, mm. he's, I think he's he sort of became that sort of maybe season eight-ish onwards really likable character and if you say to people now who's your favourite character a lot of people say Ralph Wiggum they just love the little guy and it was nice to see him appear in this I also liked Milhouse's eyebrows getting blown off oh that's just sadistic yeah I know the thing is though that the next scene they'll just back again I was like eh, if, you're gonna, if you're gonna go with that at least have him gone but anyway it doesn't matter I just I enjoyed the most the part I enjoyed the most was Ralph and Milhouse just the more sugar please <laughs> next question you there eating the paste Alrighty, first question comes from yourself, Mr. Davis. Take it away. Does it now? Okay, mm. then. It certainly um, does. The um, commercialised robe that uh, Reverend Lovejoy is asked to wear is advertising which eatery? Uh, you got me. What is it? It's Fatso's Hash House. Fatso's Hash House. Sounds delicious. Doesn't it? <laughs> What's your favourite hash brown? Like, do, you oh, like, do you like Macca's hash browns? They're, they're a bit I like small for my liking. Well, then you just order two of them. No, that's, that or, is true. Or yeah. more. We're not all made of money, though, Mr. Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Please, patrons, keep us in hash browns. <laughs> pay us in hash. Yes, pay us in hash. My first mm. question is, what is the last four digits of Homer's credit card? <laughs> 0709. Yes, I'm assuming you've got the whole number written down there. I did. I figured you might be asked. I thought you were going to ask for the whole thing. I thought about it and I went, that's just sadistic, as you said earlier with the eyebrows. So I, thought, I won't do that. That's just mean. It's cruel. But I knew that. See, the thing about this Zoom call now, the, the fact that we're vodcasting this on YouTube is that I can tell when you're cheating and looking at your notes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> See, if we were just doing this over the phone, you could have just gone 0709. We're, Correct, sir. Well done. How did you know that? You would have gone, oh, well, you know, I'm just a very smart person. <laughs> <laughs> But no, well done. Yes. Uh, just for those playing at home, his number is 5784-3653-4341-0709. How many people, mm. how many viewers do you think went and tried to uh, purchase things with that credit card number after that? I'd say we're definitely in double figures. I don't think we made triple figures. Yeah, probably not, but there would have been definitely some. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, what's your next question? Who is the five-time shuttle alternate advertising the toy rocket? What's his name? And rank? Or Chet something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Chet Manor? Chet Manners? You're very close. Yo, you're very... Yep, that's close, but do you know his rank? Oh, his rank? No, what is it? No. He's a colonel. Colonel. I was going to say corporal. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> How many babies did Nibbles originally have? Uh, five. No. What? Wouldn't it be eight? Because he's, he's saying goodbye to his five kids, or she already ate three. Or was it saying that she's, he's now down to two? I thought it was down to two. Okay. I thought you were oh, saying, but I could... I thought saying, saying goodbye to his wife and five babies. Oh, wait, no, because Marge says he's leaving her behind with five babies and he Bart then says 
he already she already ate three. Yeah. So I took that as eight down to five. Okay, could be uh, seen, could be taken either way. You're correct, regardless. Well done. Hey, thanks. <laughs> All right, let's have a look and we'll see what we got here. I've got one one or two more on this page, but I do have more over the other page. Mm. I did a few this time around. Yeah. Mm. It was a good episode for trivia, I found. I've got like six yeah. here. <laughs> Indeed. What date is Richard Gere's birthday? August something? Is it August? Yes. August. For some reason, I've got either August 31st or August 28th. Is it either of those dates? It is one of those dates. 28th. For the coin. <laughs> Damn it! 31st. <laughs> I know why 28th was in my head as well. Oh, anyway, my next question is, which famous musician has already done enough for the Springfield Church? Oh, Bowie. Bowie, the yeah. The late great David How Bowie. Funny gag, though. He's already done enough for this church. Yeah. <laughs> what night at the church do they play blackjack? I don't know, but it's either one of seven, so I'm going to say Tuesday. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> I don't know why I guess Tuesday. The Tuesday big, the big neon like sign at the front there. says Tuesday night is blackjack night. Yeah, maybe it's just subconsciously in my mind hearing them say that. Good will be. What is, the, what is the name of, I want to say Jimbo's mother's boyfriend or step Jimbo's stepdad or whatever? Oh, yeah, I think Jimbo's mother's boyfriend. Oh, now I want to say Chester? No, it's the name of the captain of the Iceland hockey team in D2, the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Fuck would I know that? <laughs> Gunner. Honestly, I've never seen a Mighty Ducks movie. Never have. At all, ever? No. Well, we. We should do it for Patreon, just for fun. Probably, yeah. I, no, mean, I, don't, I don't care if you shit on the movie. Like, it'd just be, for, just be fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think by the time it came out, I was probably a bit aged out. And the same, and I was also like, I don't think I like Emilio Estevez that much. I mean, I know a lot of people like Emilio, Emilio, but um, I mean, he's not done anything wrong to me. But I mean, it's like, eh, I don't think Emilio is enough of a draw card for me to to watch the Mighty Ducks or D two the Mighty Ducks um, sequel or D three. The Quack is back. Did you know that in Australia, before it was called the Mighty Ducks, it was just called Champions? Yeah, well, I had the video. It was so confusing as a kid because I had the videotape and it was called Champions. Mm. And then my mate, for for so long when DVDs became a thing, I tried to buy the DVD, couldn't find it anywhere, but it's because it was called the Mighty Ducks. Mm. So confusing for like 11-year-old Dando. Do you know the most confusing titling sequence ever though? Get a load of this. First Blood, Rambo First Blood Part 2, Rambo 3... Rambo, Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> <laughs> what about Mad Max? Wasn't it, wasn't it The Road Warrior or something? Uh, it was renamed The Road Warrior for the States. Yeah. And here we called it Mad Max 2. So it was Mad Max, Mad Max 2, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Mad Max Fury Road. Why did they change but it to The Road Warrior? I don't think Mad Max had actually sort of gained a lot of traction in the States. I think they looked at Mad Max 2 and thought, oh, this will do well. I mean, this is actually really well made throwing it to the Americans saying, hey, check out Mad Max 2. It's like, mm, where's Mad Max 1? And, you know, this is in the sort of the... This is not even pre-VHS, but it's very early days of home video even. Mm-hmm. This is the early 80s. So, you know, I think Mad Max only played in like grindhouses and drive-ins over in the States. So I thought they'd, they'd just go with a clean slate. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Do one more each. One more. How much do you pay for all-you-can-eat meatball sandwiches? According to, uh, according to Lenny. In his dreams. Yes. Is it two dollars? Two dollars. 
Yeah, man, that would be amazing. Unlimited <gasps> Subway sandwiches. Woo. Ooh, we can eat meatball sub. Yeah, pretty damn good. All right, my final question is, mm-hmm. profits had increased by what percentage at the church? I think that was one point where I wasn't listening. Uh, I want to say 1,000%. 1,073%. I was close. You were close, yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> all righty, guys, that is trivia. We're going to return just after this quick break with our full in-depth review of She of Little Faith. Fourth Finger Discount is brought to you by our incredible $20 patrons, Jordan, Moleman, Richie, Noah Daniel, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Davey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Burleson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James, Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, George McMenemy, Zach Pruitt, Jonathan Rossi, Adam Sanderson, Stephen Roberts, Seth Weens, Daniel Kotnick, Ali Jamie, the iconic June fucking Richards, and Matthew Davis. Thank you so much, guys. Also, shout out to our new $5 plus patron this week, Mr. Jack Murphy. You're also a champion. So, don't forget, guys, if you want early access to all of our podcasts, Four Finger Discount, Talking Sci-Fi, Tales of Futurama, and more, access into prize draws, the Four Finger Discount group, and more, just got to go to patreon.com slash discount for as little as $1 per month. You can join the Four Finger Discount Patreon team. But for now, enjoy our review of She of Little Faith. The original air date for She of Little Faith was December 16th, 2001, almost on Christmas. Uh, it was written by Bill Freiberger, I want to say. Freiberger? If it's burger, let's say Freiberger, because... Sounds you know, better, that sound, it? Delicious. It sounds tastier. No, I want to eat that, man. Uh, directed <laughs> by Stephen D. Moore, Chopper Gag, I do not have a serial named after me, and the couch gag is that the couch is a slot machine with the family appearing. Mm-hmm. The episode kicks off with what, Mr. Davis? With rain delay theater, this looks great. I think I've um, <laughs> I think I've told I've told the story in the past about how my good friend Ollie, uh, when we were about sixteen or seventeen, took me to the um, the Boxing Day test at the MCG, and for about three hours I was just so bored because it was cricket, but then it got rained out, so we got to go to the movies. <laughs> is that the, is that the story where you say you went and saw Rocky afterwards? We went and saw Rocky Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, though, I always knew the cricket was getting rained out when, like, Skippy reruns were on at, like, 2.30 on a Saturday afternoon when the cricket was on. (laughs) (laughs) But having said that, I mean, look, with Rain Delay Theatre, I totally would have watched um, The Planet from Outer Space, as they they are called. How great is that title? (laughs) That's very, very good. But, I mean, a lot of my misspent childhood you do sort of you do vaguely athletic things on a Saturday morning you'd go run around an oval or play some footy or whatever and I'm talking like very very young um and then you'd come home well I'd come home this was in the oh god this was a very long time ago but there'd usually be some um black and white science fiction or monster movie on on channel seven or whatever I remember seeing Earth versus the Flying Saucers and I was like, oh man, this is rad. You know, I've got my little ham sandwich, got a little glass of cordial or something. Earth versus the Flying Saucers is on. A ham sandwich. <laughs> ham sam? Yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been a toasted ham and cheese sandwich and a glass of cordial. Good Saturday treat, for sure. Very, very nice. Yeah, so, um, yes, the planet from outer space um, with its, um, yes, dodgy, uh, dodgy science and um, alien dog, yes, struck a chord with with me, absolutely. A, a male dog. A male dog. <laughs> we'll return after these very loud messages, and then we get Chet Manners plugging the Orbit King. I do miss, I was thinking about this recently, actually, I do miss 
TV ads. You know, when they used to sell during the day when you had a day off school, they'd be like, not you obviously, but like I'd have a day off school in the 90s and they'd say, you know, for just $39.99, you can purchase the first six episodes of MASH and then just a monthly fee of $70 for three episodes after that each month. You know, I just, I, I love those midday TV ads. Just the, what was, what, what would be like your favorite? Like, like, remember the Sham Wow? That was a really popular one. He was always, <laughs> it was everywhere. What was your favorite like product they would always try and flog on TV? I think I was I was very partial to those tape collections you're talking about. Yeah, mm, yeah, then, yeah. Um, it was the only way to get the show back then. Yeah, and and you still get you still get those ads now. Apparently, that I mean, because you can't buy like the entire series of a country practice or Carson's Law or country practice. Sullivan's. No, no, actually, country practice is now all on um, that seven plus or whatever it is. I, I put it on the other day because it was one of my nan's favorite shows. Like I. I hear that music and I think of school holidays because we always go to Nan's for school holidays. <laughs> and I put it on and I was just like, ah, oh, Nan's house. <laughs> oh, back to Wandon Valley. Yes. It's, um, so, I, yeah, I was, I, I was a repartial of those, but they always seemed like very sort of... Well, first of all, the prices seemed obscene. Oh, the, fir- the first month was okay. But then after that, you're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd say that would be my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so he's trying to sell the Yorbert King, but gets sucked in straight away because of the, the your control. Hey, Lise, is Dad's credit card number 578-4365-343-410709? You know it is. Did, did you know your parents' credit card number off by heart? He just knows it off by heart. Well, Nicola knows ours off by heart. I don't know mine off by heart. Do you know yours off by heart? Oh, fuck no. Nicola knows everything. Oh, she knows the, the, every number. <laughs> <laughs> so six to eight weeks later, because that's what it was like back then. You No fucking like express next day delivery like Amazon. Or oh, no. You have to wait weeks. No, no. There was no, Am- no Amazon Prime back in the day. No, no. When you order shit like that over the phone, when it arrived, you forgot that you'd already ordered it. It'd been that long, you know? <laughs> and then uh, Homer singing Floss It. I did like this. I did like it when Homer sings his own renditions of songs. You must floss it. <laughs> By the way, a quick split second gag that I wanted to give respect to is when Chet Manners is flogging the Orbit Kid or whatever. And he's, you know, I think you lose the fact that he never actually got to fly in the space shuttle. You got this split second look of sadness that comes across his face when he says that. I never noticed it. It was nice work from the animators. Like, you may, <laughs> I may not, may not have set foot on the shuttle. But <laughs> <laughs> it would be annoying so though, if, you, if you train your whole life to be an astronaut and never actually end up in space. Would you feel like a failure? Oh. <laughs> I think you would probably fill your life with all manner of hobbies and the love of family and, you know, service to the community and all that kind of stuff. But I bet on your deathbed, you know, two or three seconds before you shuffle off this mortal coil and going, I traded all to go into space just fucking once. Mm, just once, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully your family's not there when you say that. <laughs> I trade all of you for- <laughs> For five seconds in the in the great outer space. Bart asks Homer for help to build his rocket. He puts in his contact lens. How random was that? I was like, they just want to what? have people go, oh, wow, I didn't know he had contact lenses. Like, it doesn't go a anywhere. Lot, a lot of really sort of random throwaway gags in this. And a lot of them, you know, some are fine, but some are like, don't really see the point of this. It's, yeah, you neither know, do I. It's not, it's not adding humor and it's not adding structure to the story. It's just filigree. I think you'd call it. Homer then decides he will help because he thinks he's supporting pie pants and as opposed to science. Uh, now, I've got here, what's the thing that Homer puts on his head? What's that dish called? Is that a colander? Colander, that's it, that's it, right. I just couldn't yeah, think of a name. Yeah. I knew you'd know it. You do love your cooking. By the way, 
with pie pants. Yeah, yeah. Is that that's the first time in the while we've heard an mm, something, isn't it? I'm pretty sure he said it last week, didn't he? Oh, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah last week. No, no. When, when was the hunk, hunk of Burns in Love? Because he's like, mm, um, pistol whip. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> consider me corrected and ignorant. <laughs> uh, honestly, it just it felt like such a long time since he'd said mm, something because that was his thing. I think I, I think I said that when he said mm, pistol whip <laughs> two weeks ago, but um, but yeah. So he's wearing his helmet. I do love what he put his various hats, and then it, of course, because Homer builds it, it explodes immediately. Millhouse loses his eyebrows. My eyebrows, my beautiful eyebrows. Over here, governor. The word unblowupable is thrown around a lot these days, but I think I can say with confidence that... Okay, that shows you what could potentially happen. Then Flanders' rocket blasts off, and it's perfect as expected because the Flanderses are perfect at everything, and they launch it... Where, where did they launch it from? Ned, Ned, Eddie, Ned Eddie Space Center on Cape Flanderville or something? Cape Flant, yeah, it was just too complicated. Although I did like um, his use of the term Skyrotechnics. I appreciate Ooh, that. Yeah, I didn't even pay attention to that. <laughs> your house. See that? Your control. <laughs> <laughs> Lands perfectly in the box. So Homer says, all right, it's time for us to build a good rocket. Homer doesn't actually do anything. He just gets the three nerds to come back, which I did appreciate. I do. I, it was a nice little throwback to Homer goes to college, having the three nerds return. I like those nerds a lot. One other thing I liked as well is when the nerds show up, I don't know if it's a, I think it's a specific sort of reference or homage, but I mean, Homer seems to be dressed exactly like Ed Harris from Apollo 13. I thought the exact same thing, especially when yeah. um, the ship's taking off and he sort of yeah. gives him a hug, yeah. And I think they were using a whole lot of sort of space movie references in there as well. Yeah. I think there's a bit of right stuff stuff in there as well. Particularly the directing as well, just the visual, the way, like when Nibbles is yeah. walking towards the ship and things like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Homer with the glasses not unlike these and the pocket protector and all that, it's like, pretty sure that's Ed Harris from Apollo 13. Yeah. What a movie, by the way. I would really like to thank you nerds for helping me out. Colin, could you stop calling us nerds? Dweep, wonk, spaz, it's all good. Who wants some Astro Lemonade? What precisely makes it Astro? Look, I don't want to start a whole thing with this. Okay, the rocket's ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Super. Now, if you'll gather around, I'd like to say a few words. All nerds, clear the launch area. Let's wait in the car. I did think that. All nerds, clear the launch area. And then Millhouse walked out with them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nibbles, uh, I don't know When animals can understand English I just sort of feel like I don't know whether this is what The Simpsons used to be like I guess we just have to mm-hmm. accept it now Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I thought the whole Nibbles thing was okay But I mean It was cute, just, but I was just like Eh, come on yeah, I'm just not partial to animals being launched into space I know it sort of moved the space race forward And all that kind of stuff but the thought of poor old Laika, the Russian space dog, oh, being... Oh, that's horrible, you know, that story. ...sent up into space and it's like, you can't bring that dog back and it, it it's not going to chew down on a suicide pill or something like that. Poor thing's just going to starve to death. Yeah. yeah. That sucks. It doesn't know what's going on. It doesn't understand that you're sending it into space. It's just like, what the hell's going on? Like, Imagine what was going through that poor dog's mind when it was launched into space. Yeah. yeah. That's probably exactly what was going through its mind, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I remember reading about that. For some reason, I did a description for what... Oh, I was doing a description, actually, 
for Snoopy astronaut pop vinyl for work. And I looked up Like of the Space Dog as a result. And I was like, that's really sad. Yeah. That poor dog. Oh, the poor dog. <laughs> <laughs> so Nibbles hits the eject button when Homer offers advice, escapes. The rocket crashes into the church, starts the fire. Homer shoots his gun at it. And then that's that's pretty much setting up what's going to be the essentially the story. It does. I did like that the rocket had HJS on the side. Yes. Nice yeah, bit yeah. of branding. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst thing Homer's ever done. And because Marge said that so much now, it's lost all meaning. That's a pretty um, memorable quote. I do remember that one. <laughs> oh, by the way, the other thing that, uh, that I talked a little while ago about weird throwaway gags. Mm-hmm. You know, the bum in the gutter or the hobo in the gutter is like, yeah. oh, I'm off the hooch now and throws his wine away. And some businessman who I thought was Lionel Hutz for a moment. No, not at all. Well, 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 Phil's gone now, so. Well, no, of course. But, I mean, I thought, oh, you know. It's it, w- a- it, would, it, would have been, it would have been Lionel. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, I've got a bottle of rotgut. I'm going to jump in the gutter and just, you know. Like, what? Why? Yeah. What's this? It just- <laughs> Unnecessary. Yeah, Did you have, just- like, 20 seconds you needed to fill? Yeah. I have convened the church council to see what we should do now. Fixing this church should be our top priority. And I say that as a teenager and the parent of a teenager. Fixing all that damage is going to be very expensive. Yes, barring some sort of miracle. All right, we'll help ourselves. Yet again. People, we need some fundraising ideas. Let's just write to David Bowie again. No, he's done enough for this church. Anyone else? I've got the answer. Just let me run this church like a business. It's kind of you to offer, Mr. Burns, but buzz around town is that you're, well, evil. Ooh, that's just a skip rope, Ram. Believe me, the Lord's going to go for this in a big way. Now, who's with me? Oh, I guess we have no choice. Excellent. Go! Oh, you'll get yours. Then he introduces Lindsay Nagel. And (laughs) what do you think is... Don't let the skirt fool you. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice little bit of, um, you know, casual sexism. Yes. That's the way we rolled in the early 2000s. We certainly did. He offers, or they offer the Reverend the, the robe covered in sponsors that you mentioned earlier during your trivia. And Mr. Burns is very funny here. Too bad. You've already signed the deal. <laughs> I know he hasn't. Oh, well, we, we really value your input until you sign the deal. <laughs> I did like his enthusiasm. It's, it's nice Definitely. when Burns gets enthusiastic about stuff. Why does Jesus have a lasso? Because he's old man. It looked more like a casino than a, uh, than a church, didn't it? Very Vegas It does. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That's one thing I loved about Vegas was just the big neon signs and everything. Pretty cool. Reminds me of Con Air. <laughs> oh, God. I've never been to Vegas. I've Really? No, no. It's, that was going to be my plan for my milestone birthday of recent years. What was that, was your, gonna... 60th, your 60th? <laughs> for those of you playing at home, Guy just gave me the bird. <laughs> Dan will probably fuzz that out or something like that. I, don't know. I was going to go to California, going to go to LA, hire a convertible, drive the Pacific Coast Highway. But one thing I really wanted to do was drive into Vegas at night. From That's the what desert. we did. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I think that'd be great. So, really uh, good. What 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 would be your song of choice when you first start hitting the road? Actually, this is gonna. <laughs> it's not exactly rocking, 
but it just re- it re- brings to mind California. Mm-hmm. I think it's by the band America, or maybe it's by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, but it's called Ventura Highway. Well, I don't think I know that by name. I might know the song though. Ventura Highway okay. in the sun. I'll, I'll look it up after we finish recording. I'm sure I do know it. That was certainly going to be the first song that I played. I mean, I probably would have come up with some all-American playlist or some very sort of California soft rock, middle-of-the-road 70s kind of deal. Money changed. Get your money changed right here in the temple. Ugh, that could not be more blasphemous. Where's Bart? Do a nice one for Grandma. Fine. Bart pulling those faces felt very old school to me for something. That felt very like that felt very early season Bart. That's true. Yeah, like little just mischief Bart. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, so all the new pews are very comfy and whatnot. But Lisa just stubborn. She refuses to like it. She's totally against the whole commercialization (laughs) of the church. And Lord, please remember our infirm parishioners, especially Mrs. Glick, who's recovering from hip surgery. And now let us rise and, um, um... He's not going to say it. Trust me, he'll say it or I'll bust him down to Thursday night vespers. And thank Crazy Larry, whose big screen TV prices are insane. Nine! And now to deliver a special sermon on the sanctity of deliciousness, the Noid. That's it! (laughs) Quiet, Lisa. Everyone in the store is looking at you. They should take a good look at themselves and what their church has become. (gasps) Lisa, it's still the same basic message. We've just dressed it up a little. Like the whore of Babylon? That is a false analogy. No, it's not. It's apt. Apt! (gasps) Don't you see what Mr. Burns has done to this church? He restored it from nave to narthex. He supersized the pews for the Zaftig believers. He put ice in the urinals. Those are all wonderful things, but they've cost the church its soul. And I, for one, will not be a part of it. Now, the, the Noid, to Australian listeners, Australian viewers on YouTube, is the mm-hmm. Domino's pizza mascot, I believe, in America. I think the Noid was uh, supposed to be a bit of a pest. Yes. Who... I'm assuming he never speaks because that's the gag here. He gets interrupted before he can speak. I'm assuming he must oh, have Oh, okay then. Did the Noid ever, was the Noid ever on Australian TV? I don't think we ever got it. I don't think here. so, but the Noid is Domino's, right? Let me just look it up just to make sure. Noid, I believe Domino's. I believe so, yeah. And yeah, Noid I think the pizza, Noid yeah. sort of came up to show you, like, there's going to be all manner of obstacles stopping you from getting your pizza on time, and here's the Noid, you know, ah, fucking okay. with the delivery driver. Like he's annoying, the, yeah. The Domino delivery driver is so bloody dedicated to getting you your pizza on time and hot that they'll just outwit the Noid at every turn, apparently. Okay. Well, the Noid... Or something else entirely, because I just made that up off the top of my head. <laughs> the Noid <laughs> hasn't been seen for like four years now. I don't think it, I think they sort of phased him out. I think that oh, no. their branding now is not an annoying guy trying to stop you from getting pizza. It's just a domino. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just a cheap shit pizza. <laughs> Sorry, Domino's. <laughs> it's, it's not a good pizza. It's not a good pizza. I've had one Domino's pizza in my entire life. And maybe it was the alcohol talking, but yeah, it wasn't very good. 
It um, <laughs> normally pizza tastes better after a few beers, and this one I can safely say did not. There's that old line about sex is like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's pretty good. These people have not had Domino's. No. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, man. Sorry, Domino's. If you, nah, fuck We em. are willing to take all this back if you want to advertise on four-finger discount. <laughs> you can really taste the Domino. Mm, that's good Domino's. Mm, that's good pizza. <laughs> From Domino's. Yes. <laughs> See, we got no, we have no, no shame whatsoever. <laughs> uh, Lisa is what? Where are we up to? I've lost, I've lost where we're up to again. Lisa is being a grouch. Yes. So, and Homer's line here was great. Lisa, everyone in the store is looking at you. <laughs> yeah, she, she she's just annoyed with the, the commercialization of the church, so she storms out. But Reverend here is great. It's just the same basic message. We've just dressed it up a little bit. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I would probably be the kind of person in a situation that I didn't like, I would probably get on a on a chair and yell, apt! That's the kind of person I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. Just to yell out the word apt. <laughs> apt! This is not apt! Homer doesn't know how to feel, and as you mentioned, you get the various ooh, sad also, cries. Also, let's not forget that uh, working the door at the, uh, the new church, uh, do you want to... Do you want a stamp so you can come back later? <laughs> Squee voice teen, represent. Very good. Uh, we come back from commercial and Lisa is praying for a temple free of corruption and Marge is interfering here. I feel like Marge is the one that's sort of forcing it down her throat the most. She really mm. doesn't want Lisa to leave Christianity. And I, can, I, like, I can understand it. I don't think Marge is necessarily pro-Christianity or anti-any other religion. I just think Marge likes the status quo. Yes. I think she just likes... That's she, doesn't like, just, you know. she doesn't like change, yeah. Fears change. Yes. Yes. It was great here. So, Lisa, I still believe in God, you know, whether it's him or her. Oh, she's just kidding. She's just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa is then looking for a new faith and Bart makes a few suggestions, like the one with eight human hearts and... Methodist mm. Judaism because you can ka-ching when you uh, when it's what thirteen is that when they get the money yeah thirteen yeah she then goes for a walk I always appreciate these when they have the little like neon floating signs. neon Space. signs are great yeah yeah yep love it always love it when that happens. my favorite was just <laughs> Amish <laughs> <laughs> there's those series like Amish Gone Wild or something I'm not talking about pornography I'm talking about actual like reality shows oh shit no I've never heard oh, that sounds like a great show. Do you know the phenomenon known as Rumspringer? No. Oh, was that the one where they're allowed to like go away for like a weekend or whatever? They're allowed to step out for a year. A year like, is it? Holy shit. Oh, I thought, I, I think it can maybe go up to a year. I don't, maybe you can't go beyond a year. But yeah, if you are born Amish or born into the Amish community, you are given the opportunity to say, all right, I'm going to go into the outside world and I'm going to, you know, try some of this wacky electricity that I've heard about or, you know, um, I might wear clothes that are neither white nor black, but another colour. So, um, and uh, and if you think, oh, wow, the outside world's me, then you don't have to go back. But I think our friends in the Amish community are kind of like, eh, they'll see how crap the outside world is and they'll come back come back and churn some butter. No. So, no. Our friends at TLC, broadcaster of such great shows as 90 Day Fiancé. Um, not not the 90 hip-hop band. No, 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 not, uh, not, not the Chasing Waterfalls gals. They had a show, I think, I've forgotten the name of it, but I think it was something like Amish Gone Wild or whatever. That sounds fantastic. Doesn't that sound dope? <laughs> You'd follow kids out on Rumspringer. 
It reminds me of like 2001 pay-per-view. Amish gone wild. <laughs> <laughs> they used to have those specials back when I was a kid, late 90s, early 2000s. Jerry Springer's greatest hits. Pay $40 for 45 minutes of flesh and nudity and you know, fucking language and all this kind of stuff. Sounds like a deal. It does, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, remember when the when Big Brother was first on? You had your regular episodes and all that, but then you had Big Brother up late. Nine, nine, oh, oh, yeah. no, uncut 9.30pm on a Monday. Uncut. <laughs> hot dogs. Oh, up, up late, hot dog, yeah, yeah. Hot dogs, I'm not talking about, that's not a euphemism for dicks. Hot dogs no. was the host. Yeah, yeah. But he was also a dick, so there you go. I also enjoyed the games. You know, they just had like, the, the puzzles on the screen to keep me oh, entertained yeah. when the people were sleeping in the house. Like, well, fuck, there's nothing <laughs> happening in the house. Let's just play crosswords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, but I, I will admit that I did watch me some Big Brother up late. I when the when the show first started, I I enjoyed it. I watched it all the time. Same. Yeah. yeah. Oh look, we you know, I think a few a few years down the road we can all admit we all watched Idol back then. We all watched Big oh, Brother. We did. Yeah. You know, don't don't say you didn't. You did. I remember being furious that Guy Sebastian beat Shannon Ol. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get back on track. She's the Amish sign has floated past her head, but where does Lisa end up? She ends up at the Springfield Buddhist Temple, and Lenny and Carl are there. Carl mentions that you know if he didn't find Buddhism, he'd be going psycho and everybody. Then Richard Gear arrives and he explains the the various Buddhism traits, you know what they believe in, what they don't. And I, I don't understand like Lenny here not understanding anything about Buddhism. It's like is he? I I can kind of understand, it, I guess, in the sense that maybe he's just there so he's with Carl. Yeah, I get the feeling he sort of got sold on a bit of like, hey, just come in and sit here and think about nothing and it'll sort of ease your mind or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, that sounds fine. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of diehard Christians who aren't necessarily up to speed with everything that's in the Bible. Or they could name maybe six of the Ten Commandments. Or how many disciples were there? Twelve? Okay. Um, I think there were twelve. They could probably name like eight. No, they probably couldn't name eight. I couldn't name. I couldn't name four. So yeah. you didn't even know how many there were. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going straight to hell. Um, so look, it may well be the case that there are Buddhists who are not 100 percent up to speed with everything about the Bodhi tree and all that kind of business. I don't know. That's just me playing devil's advocate. Ding 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 ding. He gives Lisa the pamphlet, mentions how all things <laughs> are impermanent, empty of inherent existence, and then we get the little message to officer and a gentleman about the sit-ups. <laughs> but that's one thing at least Richard Gere in this was willing to poke fun at himself and that's what Al Gina said yeah it's true the true. best celebrity cameos or appearances are the ones where they get it and understand it's okay to make fun of yourself it's all just a bit of fun you know well that's the thing I like Richard Gere a lot I mean I, I saw him in movies when I was growing up I saw Officer and a Gentleman at the cinema Officer and a Gentleman's a really sort of a pretty gnarly movie it's got that famous final scene where he goes back and rescues Deborah Winger from the factory in his, in his dress whites and all that there's really a lot of bleak stuff and fairly adult stuff in Officer and a Gentleman. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I shouldn't have been watching it as like a 12-year-old without sort of parental guidance or whatever, but uh, I was like, oh, here, this is good. And there's people dropping the C word. Someone takes their own life. There's a fair bit of nudity in it. Having said that, it's a really good movie. So um, what was I talking about? Um, no, I like Richard <laughs> Gere a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, I got distracted by the nudity and the, and the C word. Um <laughs> I like Richard Gere a lot, but he was very sort of, he was very intense as a young actor, like a lot of young actors are. You see it with everyone from like Brad Pitt through to Robert Pattinson. They have to get it out of their system. They have to give these really sort of, in, in 
Richard Gere's case, he's sort of like bellowing at someone in office and like, I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! And after a while, he's like, I don't have to work so hard. I'm Richard Gere. I can be kind of chill. And that's when he had a bit of a comeback in the early 90s with Pretty Woman and this really good cop movie called Internal Affairs that I also recommend, but that's also pretty gnarly as well. But, you know, he just got very sort of... I don't know if this is around the time that he embraced Buddhism or whatever, but he just was like, yeah, I don't have to work so hard. And you see that with, I think, a lot of... Particularly with male actors. And you've, you've seen it with Pitt. I mean, you look at Pitt in 12 Monkeys, for instance, and then you look at him in Ocean's Eleven, it's like, oh, you've calmed down. You've chilled out. That's that's good. Then he said, once upon a time in Hollywood, he's even more chilled out. Yeah, exactly. Like Robert Pattinson as well. There are a few movies around the time of Twilight where he's like... You're trying too hard, dude. I mean, I appreciate that you, you sort of want to make a name for yourself and all that kind of, but you're trying a bit too hard. And then I think a few movies down the line is like, oh, you've relaxed. Oh, that's good. You found it. You found your groove. And now he's the Batman. And now he's the Batman, which apparently <laughs> they've just wrapped filming on. I can't wait for that. Oh, by the way, I don't know if we should talk about this or talk about it on another episode. Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> I watched the whole thing last week. They well, sent me let, a, uh, okay. a preview link. Let, let, let's, let's save it for another show, but just give in, in, t- in 10 seconds or less, tell us, did Guy Davis like it and does he recommend it? I did, but it's very Zack Snyder. So okay. if, you like, if you like 300 and you like Watchmen and other stuff that he's done, he's got a very distinctive way of doing things and a very distinctive style, and this movie is all that. I mean, the Justice League where Joss Whedon came in, as I like to call it, the Justice League. <laughs> Okay, I'm fired. Was no good because it was two movies trying to. It was like an episode of The Simpsons. They they had different stuff and they tried to smush it together it like and the, make it one like thing. Like the Predator. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't work at all. But um, this new version, it's four hours and it's all very Zack Snyder style, and I found myself kind of enjoying it. <laughs> as a result, it's just it's very bombastic and over the top and all that, but kind of fun. It's so different from like the Marvel way of doing things that it's like. Well, you can do other things with superheroes. So we may talk about that somewhere else down the line. You might have to send me the link. <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, I think it starts Thursday. It's on Binge Oh, okay. Thursday. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I think it's the Foxtel streaming service. Ah, uh, okay. Hopefully I get it then. I'm sure there are other ways of it, getting it. It sounds like the Schmarrett Bay for me. <laughs> it's four hours of superheroes going crashing into shit. Four hours? Yeah. Fuck that. No way. It's divided into chapters. You can break it up over a couple of nights. Okay. So. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give it a go. Hey, I'm a Buddhist! <gasps> My Satan sense is tingling. Into the root cellar, boys! When can we come out? Maybe never. Yay! I did like uh, Flanders' Satan senses tingling. Much like Spidey senses. <laughs> Then do you think Homer is yelling at Lisa? I thought this was going to be your favourite moment, but he's actually yelling at Bart to butter his bacon. <laughs> I, I did enjoy that, and I'll look. I'll I'll save my favourite line from that for a little bit later. But okay. um, yeah, that that whole bit was actually good. I mean, just the sad look on Bart's face when he's got to put butter on his bacon. Oh dear. Yeah, I know. Bacon up that sausage, boy. <laughs> It's it's just like not even any dialogue. It's just the look of Homer like, you better. <laughs> Lisa then explains that she's now a Buddhist. Um, Homer's punishment of no more chat rooms for you. A, it feels very 2001. 
no more chat rooms because they're not a thing anymore. But I guess the modern day chat room is just like a, a Twitter thing. Well, they, pre- really, isn't it? they predated social media, those things. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's where you went to find like-minded individuals. Hey, Simpson, I hear your sister dumped Christianity. Who cares? I'll tell you someone who cares. He's got long hair, works as a carpenter, has a lot of crazy ideas about love and brotherhood. His name's Gunner, and he's dating my mom. Sometimes he buys a spear. I thought Kearney was dating your mom. Hey, she came on to me. Get him! I'm so confused by Kearney. Yeah, that's, 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 the, that's the gag now. The gag is that it doesn't make any sense. He's got a kid. He hasn't got a kid. He's a teenager. He's an adult. It's just... That's, a, that, it's meant to be ridiculous. He's just a, teen, a teenager and the parent of a teenager. That's not possible. No, no, it's... It's, it's meant to be stupid, yeah. Okay, just roll with it. Okay. Yes. I appreciate Kearney because, you know, because of this. Lisa is then planting a, bo- <laughs> yeah, a Bodhi tree. Marge questions. It, it's very Marge. Is it because a boy at school doesn't like you, Lisa? Is that, <laughs> is that why you're acting out? <laughs> That's a, it's a very parental thing to say. I mean, yeah. this is me, the person with no children, telling the parent this. But um, it strikes me as a very parental thing to say that... Uh, <laughs> Yes, you're making radical changes in your belief systems and uh, the way you view the world. <laughs> because my heart's broken. Well, something along those lines. Although, who, who knows? I enjoyed the next line even more when she starts praying. That's it. You're going to get a bath tonight. <laughs> I'm like, that is like, exactly, that is a punishment. Because my kids, like Ali is too, already hates a bath. <laughs> but he loves being in the bath. But it's sort of, kind of like me going for a run. Once I'm running, I'm fine. But getting onto that treadmill, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Burns then has the meeting to discuss the profits. He says they're going up by 1,073%. Puff of smoke. You think he's going to bail all the money, but no. He hasn't left in time, so he just chucks him a bunch of money. And that's the end of that story. It's just never mentioned again. Yeah. It's just like, like okay, well, that's the end of that. Now let's move on to the devil daughter. We've changed horses midstream, and now it's very much about Lisa and her Buddhism. Yeah. And by the way, it's a Christmas episode now, guys. It's all about Christmas. Oh, yeah. That's that like too. 16 minutes into the episode, but it's now it's now a Christmas story. But I think it starts here where he says, you know, Santa doesn't leave presents under the Bodhi tree. And it, I, I loved this line from the Reverend. You can save more souls with roller skates and easy-bake ovens than this 2,000-page sleeping pill. <laughs> <laughs> that would have annoyed quite a few viewers, I would imagine. Marge then gets Homer to put the singing angel on Lisa's tree. Did you get a kick out of Homer dancing? Yes, very yeah. much. I liked his little dance a whole lot. Yeah. He was having so much fun. <laughs> like, it, it was, obviously, it was him doing the barking sound, but yeah, just him dancing to himself, yeah. I thought it was really good. Marjan bakes cookies, but throws them out because Lisa doesn't celebrate Christmas anymore, and Bart eats them and accidentally eats a dog food lid. I would eat those cookies out of that bin. Mm, oh, mate, I'd eat anything out of the bin. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I've got no I'm problem very with George it. Costanza when it comes to that. <laughs> yeah, likewise. I mean... If they've just gone into the bin, it's fair game. I'm a little bit discerning. Mostly I'm like, if this hasn't touched too many other rubbish items. If it's just on the top, there's no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah that's fine. It's no different yeah. from a plate, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Listen to us, kids. Yeah. I think we should name, rename this four, from four-finger discount to five-second rule. <laughs> this should be the new name of the podcast. Five-second rule. I like it. We then get, oh, it's now Christmas Eve, and the family all sing the carol to try and fool Lisa, try and convert her back. And then they try and fool her with a pony present. And this this whole scene, I just got a big kick out of it, like pushing her with Maggie with the candy cane. 
And now that you mention it, a reverend outside the window saying, lick it, lick it, is a little concerning. <laughs> I don't look at it that way, but just Ralph. I just love the more sugar, please. please. It's so, so, so happy. Well, you do have a present under the tree. I guess no one told Santa you were a Buddhist. Well, Santa can take it back because I'm not ruled by material design. <gasps> is that a pony? I don't know what Santa left you. I just know his name is Clip Clop and he loves sugar. Lisa, we love you and we're not trying to put any pressure on you. Lick it. Lick it. No! Oh no! Our daughter's run away on Christmas Eve! More sugar, please! Bags in the kitchen. Alright! What I did also like about this was that this has been one of those recurring story themes that continues on every Christmas Lisa wants a pony. So it makes sense that they would be offering her a pony because that's like the one thing that Lisa wants for Christmas. So if you're going to convert it back, it's going to be a pony. She runs away to the Buddhist temple. She interrupts them meditating, even though he's about <laughs> to achieve enlightenment. And this, this is just basically the same as the end of Lisa the Vegetarian when she goes into the top yeah. of uh, the Quickie Mart. My family tried to trick me into celebrating Christmas. You know, we are meditating. Oh, sorry. That's all right. I was only about to achieve enlightenment, but who'd want that? Who likes short shorts? I like short shorts. Those guys are way off. Anyway, your family didn't have to trick you. Buddhists respect the diversity of other religions, as long as they're based on love and compassion. What? It's true. So why don't you go home? I'm sure your family really misses you. I can really celebrate Christmas? You can celebrate any holiday. And you know... My birthday is August 31st. Oh, I'll send you an email greeting card. Sweet. Now I really should be getting back to my family. Yeah, I'm spending tonight with my stepdaughter, Hannah. I do her hair, then she does mine. We're going to go spend Christmas with Mo. You know, so we don't have one of his Christmas accidents. Hey, he can't do much without this. Richard Gere in this, I know I said he was dull, but he did come across very cool. Like, just a very down-to-earth cool guy. You know, don't you yeah. think? Just just very oh, I think so. chill. Yes, you know. Hmm. Uh, is, that, is that what he's like in real life? Is he just a chill guy? Apparently. I mean, I think the thing about Richard Gere, his whole sort of, his free Tibet stance, because he was mm. very vocal about it, I don't think it's done him any favours because oh, really? he's gone on the record and said, they won't cast me in Marvel movies because Marvel makes a lot of its money out of China and I've been very anti-China in the past. So, I mean... He says, I, that, I won't be cast in sort of big blockbusters because they don't like me in China and they, and Hollywood's making a lot of money in China. Luckily, you know, he sort of made his money beforehand so he can basically go, see ya. Yeah, I think he's a fairly laid-back individual. He certainly strikes me that way. I mean, um, having said that, I don't know that many sort of uptight Buddhists, but do I, I don't know that many Buddhists. I don't know a single Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa's very happy by the news. She's going to send Rich Gear a... An eager, uh, a birthday e-card, is that what she says? An e-greeting card or something? Like an email? I think so, yeah. For his birthday, yeah. What's the whole deal of doing his hair with his stepdaughter, Hannah? Is there a joke there that I'm missing or is it just... I think it was probably just like he's he's got lovely flowing hair or something. Yeah, maybe. maybe he wanted to give a shout out to his step to his daughter, Hannah, or something. This next joke, I was just like, 
with the, we're going to go visit most who doesn't have another Christmas accident. I'm like, whoa, okay. Yeah, no, but Mo's sort of depression and morose worldview was always very, very funny. Yeah, but it didn't need the noose. It just, it just felt like I got the joke the first time. You didn't have to hold up a noose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the family then gathered at home. I've got here, so she said, maybe we should call the police. So wait a minute. So fucking, it was Christmas Eve when Lisa ran out the door. What the hell has she been doing all night? Because she comes back during the day. And what have the family been doing all night? They've been out all night looking for Lisa? Like, what the fuck's... Lisa's been out all night? I don't know, man. Terrible. I don't know. Not, I don't know. Not, and, or, or maybe she got back early and did, didn't tell them. that. That I don't know. I'm just like... So Lisa's now asleep on, in the living room. I'm like, when did she get back? Where have they been all night? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I, did, I did not think about this at all. <laughs> She mentions how she's still Buddhist, but she's going to accept their beliefs. And a really nice line from Marge here. I'll pray for the both of us. Very much. Yeah. Mm. And then she still wants the pony. And Marge just completely ignores her. And yeah. thus is the end of the episode. Trying to talk the way out of it, but uh, no dice. I mean, I think no. I think Lisa's going to be keeping on with that one for a little while. And it all, it all rounds out with a very uh, harmonious, sitar-heavy rendition of the Simpsons theme over the closing mm. credits. Yes. It always feels a little bit more special when they have the, the outros, a different sort of version of the theme music, yeah. But um, yeah, Correct. I thought this was a nice story. Kind of I don't know, kind of jumbled in the sense that the, mm. the whole commercialization of religion just sort of disappeared mid-episode. Mid it was just like, yeah, well, we're done with that, and now it's time for a Christmas story. I was like, I don't know. This could have been... An episode without needing to be at Christmas time, I guess you know. I think so. Yeah, they they kind of tied Christmas into it with them trying to use Christmas as a way to to sway her back, but I don't know. It, it didn't feel mm. of all the Christmas episodes, this felt the least Christmassy to me. Oh yeah, look, I mean, the way you led into this into this episode of Four Finger Discount talking about it, it's a Christmas episode. I'm like, yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> I mean, but. Uh, it certainly didn't feel that way to me, despite all the Christmas trappings at the very end. I mean, if you didn't tell me this was the annual Simpsons Christmas episode, I would just say, honestly, when all the Christmas stuff sort of started showing up, I really thought, are they pulling like a psych on Lisa, like a mind game or something? You know, yeah. like, guess what? It's Christmas or it's, it's not Christmas, it's August. Richard is a triple threat. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, it didn't really feel like very you know, peace on earth and goodwill to all men or anything like that. It just felt like, okay, now it's got Christmas in it. Yeah, I mean, look, I didn't dislike this episode. I won't say I was laughing too much at it. I got a few sort of, you know, wry smiles and a few chuckles here and there. And I liked the Buddhism aspect of it. And I liked how it was sort of, you know, not beating her over the head with like, this is the best religion. You know, everyone should be following this shit. It was more like... I don't know. Here's some, here's some interesting ideas you might want to check out. I do think this was the least season 13-y of the season so far. Like There, there was nothing okay. here. Because the, the episodes we've done, Hakaka Burns and Love, I really enjoyed. But I feel like the other ones have sort of felt like a bunch of shit that was just thrown together and they've tried to sort of make it all work. This one didn't mm -hmm. feel like that as much. At least, you know, you had the rocket, but at least the rocket led to the church burning down. So at least all was one continuing story. It wasn't just yeah. sort of all over the place. I know that we said that the commercialization of church sort of stopped, but at least that sort of merged into the Lisa story with her religion. So mm. in that sense, it felt a lot more grounded than what's become a very wacky era of The Simpsons. 
and yeah. I did enjoy the episode. It's just when I read it, it's the Christmas episode. I want Christmas, and I didn't get Christmas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lump of coal in your stocking, essentially. Yes, but but, but still, I, I think Richard Gere's performance was it was. I, I know I said the word dull, but the more I look at the review, the more I do the review, it was it was perfect for what it needed to be. You know, he's a Buddhist yeah. of all things. So yeah, I, I, I a thumbs so. up. I, I did enjoy this episode. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from Sheer Little Faith, Mr. Davis? I learned a lot about Buddhism, actually. Yeah, well, not a whole lot, but enough that I would kind of go, hmm, I should probably read a bit more about it. This, I mean... Um, Which means the episode served its purpose. It did, yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> the main thing I took away from Lisa the Vegetarian is the line... This is lamb, not a lamb, which I use all the time. Um, what I took away from this, but I didn't take away any um, things about vegetarianism or veganism or anything like that. Although, in all honesty, one probably should eat less meat. What I learned from this episode was, yeah, just a good sort of entry-level primer on the tenets of Buddhism. And I found that pleasant and intriguing. How about yourself? I learned that if you ever feel like you have too many children, just eat some of them. <laughs> Watch out, Holly. <laughs> From this day forward, your names will be... New names for this week of She of Little Faith, Mr. Davis. But before you do that, let's run through the new name leaderboard. I shall just get it up. Alrighty. So, in third position, uh, we have Andrew Palacati and Keith Nedham. In second position, on four points, Mark Boston Burgess. And in first position, both on six points, Garode Harrahill and Philip Phil Hawkins. Take it away, sir. What are the notable mentions this week? A couple of honourable mentions before we uh, get into un, deux, trois, one, two, three. I think the appearance of uh, the Buddha and Buddhism in this episode uh, gave a lot of opportunity for good wordplay. And as uh, we've noticed with Dave Abbott-Smith giving us, I can't believe it's not Buddha. That's very good. That's <laughs> um, very good. I like it. Yeah. And one that I like from our man Neil Parks, Faith Off 2, Electric Buddha Lou. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. There's a lot going on there, on there, Neil. Both you and Dave are just shy of the 3-2-1, but uh, a, a terrific, honourable effort by the both of you and by everyone else who, of course, supplied new titles. But there can be only three out of that. Uh, who's getting one point? I'll tell you who it is. It's Josh Hedge. Josh Hedge, wow, he's now on Indeed. three points, so he's equal third. Indeed. Josh Hedge uh, retitled this episode, The Grand Buddha Pest Don't Tell. Ooh, very good indeed. I like it. That's pretty it. good, Josh. Yeah. That's not bad, is it? Now, two points go to Gearoid Harrahill. Very Road. apt. Richard Gearoid Harrahill. Although I'm probably mispronouncing Geroid, so <laughs> my apologies. It's Geroid. But Geroid, <laughs> Geroid gave us a really good one, actually, and I had to do a little bit of research into this. I had to do a bit of sort of Google translating kind of deal, but uh, it was worth it because what he put up on the board was like a little symbol. When I looked that up, it's a symbol for Om, mm-hmm. the uh, the Buddhism kind of, I don't know, Mantra or whatever. The, it's from, the it's from you, uh, Across the Universe, Beatles song, right? Nothing's um, gonna change our world. Yeah. Um, that kind of deal. Yeah. Our man Gear gave us, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, because <laughs> as Homer says it occasionally. So, yeah, oh, my God, like oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah, Gear puts the effort in. Mm. You know, props to Gear. But he didn't get three points this time around. Who did? Tell me. 
I'll tell you who did. Right after this. No. <laughs> um, it's June Richards. Ooh, June fucking Richards. Excuse me? Apparently it's June fucking Richards. I believe that's the name. Funky? Fucking. June fucking Richards. <laughs> that's this their is new to me. This is new to me. It is. Let me get, I'll you, I get We'll get it right. Hang on, hang on. We'll get, get, it is the iconic June fucking Richards. That is their name. I, I stand corrected. The iconic <laughs> June fucking Richards is atop the winner's dais this time around with the simple but effective coulda, shoulda, buddha. Oh, that's very good. Well done, June. It's not June. bad, is it? Nice one, June. June's are new to the Patreon team, so straight off the bat, there you go. Straight into the, uh, not quite in Whoa. third position, in fourth position, but three points, well done, well played. Uh, announcing a presence with authority, well done, June. So, yes, they are the uh, new titles for this time around uh, for, what's the episode? What, what's Sheer of Little Faith. Sheer of Little Faith, that's right. You know, get through so, there. So so these in- ones are so much better that uh, I forgot the original title. So in third position, we still have Mark Boston Burgess on four. In second position, Phil Hawkins on six. And Garode Harrahill atop the leaderboard on eight points. Still very, very close. We've got the iconic Jew, Funky Richards, Josh Hedge, Keith Nederman, Andrew Palacetti, all on three points in four positions. So they're all, everyone's close. So it's, it's very, very good. I like it when it's a lot more closer. Yeah. Of course, Mr. Davis, we're also going to go over to our Twitter page at Four Finger Pod and check out some of the new names that they've sent in as well. A couple of my favorites here come from at Mike Salter, actually his name is Mike Salter, at Shinpan Salter, uh, he says, it's a brand new deity, uh, and the Dolly Lama, didn't mind that, the Dolly Lama, pretty good stuff, as well as from Sam the Angel Fox, at Sam the Angel Fox, Faith No More, pretty good stuff sent in there, thank you guys for contributing, uh, don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, at Four Finger Discount, I didn't post on the Instagram page this week, my sincere apologies, but also follow us on Twitter, at Four Finger Pod, um, and it's, the best way to get your potential new name read out on the show uh, if you are not a patron. But now, Mr. Davis, it is time for... Jamail! Jamail is here! Ooh! The mail! The mail is here. All right, Mr. Davis, we've got a few questions sent in this week. First one here comes from Andrew Pellicati. He seems to be always Andrew Pellicati. He's always first off the rank when it comes to the mailbag. He's hanging around for your post in the Patreon group. His first question Why are you so curious, says, Andrew? What do you want yes. to know? His first question is, which famous 80s, 90s era actor would you like to see make a comeback? Take it away, Brad Davis. Uh, look, it's, it's a, not a tough one to answer, but I mean, my answer for it seems a bit, may seem a bit odd because they're actually no longer with us. But mm. um, I was always hoping that Luke Perry would make a bit of a comeback. I really dug his style when he was on 90210 back in the day. I liked the movies that he made when, you know, people realised, oh, this guy's got a bit of presence. And he uh, sort of appeared in weird sort of arty unexpected projects i mean he was in the original buffy the vampire slayer movie oh, sort of okay. playing yeah sort of playing the damsel in distress you know to to christy swanson's buffy and he was really fun in that this is a guy who probably could have written his own ticket at that stage and you know been in action movies or whatever he's like oh no i'll try a few different things and then he sort of vanished off the radar for a little while you know as teen idols tend to do but when he made his comeback in uh, in the, the show Riverdale, again, it was like I was talking before about that whole actor sort of start to relax as they get a bit older and realise, I've got this in the toolkit and this, and, you know, I don't need to work so hard. You know, I do a little bit and people will come to me. He was aware of that, I think, and he just had a good sort of chilled style in Riverdale. And then he had his bit part in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And listeners who have heard 
you and I and Mitch talking about that movie on previous episodes or previous shows, they'll remember that I was I was so happy to see Luke Perry land a gig in a Tarantino movie. I just thought that was so rad for him. And you heard all the stories behind the scenes about how DiCaprio and Pitt, the biggest stars in the world, were all just stoked that Luke Perry was there <laughs> and they were a little starstruck. I thought that was just so neat. And it's a shame that Luke Perry left us as quickly, as early as he did, because I think he would have aged quite nicely into, you know, I don't think he would have been a megastar again, but I think he would have worked consistently. I think he would have worked with interesting people. And I think he would have had a really neat kind of second act, so to speak. So I don't know. He's the one who sort of leaps out at me, even though he's not really, even though he's not here anymore. Hmm. His son is now my favourite pro wrestler, legitimately. Junk, what is he called? Jungle Boy? Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Fuck, mate, he's going to be a massive star. Oh, it's going to yeah? be fucking huge. His, his, his entrance theme is now Tarzan Boy. I, like, I heard that. Oh, I remember oh, that, yeah. oh, oh, oh. So the crowd all sings along, <laughs> mate. Holy shit, it's going to be so good. Like he's, he's only like 22 or something, but he's got, he's got Luke's looks, and he's got mm. Luke's sort of... You know how Luke always come across like very mellow, very chill? So he's got very similar traits, but he's a really good pro wrestler, and he, like he's obviously still young, so he's gonna he got room yeah. to improve. But he's gonna be a massive star. But he's just such a likable kid, like Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Get on that, get on that bandwagon, man. He's gonna be huge. Oh, that's and great. When, oh, actually, sorry, yeah. I'll, I'm sorry to interrupt. But there, there's one other. I guess he was he, 90s was probably his thing, hmm. and he was in the wilderness for a while. But he's yeah, on the way back now. Is uh, Wesley Snipes? Yeah, yeah. What yeah, because I what mean, was he in um, recently? He was in some, a comedy recently, wasn't he? He's uh, he's in coming to coming America, to America. the sequel right. to coming yes, to yeah, America, yeah, yeah. yeah, which isn't great. I mean, uh, I've heard not very good things. <laughs> there's there's a lot of nostalgia in it that's kind of fun and nice, but the story is really just kind of weak. And yeah. I I mean I spent a fair a fair bit of time on social media the other day talking to like minded nerds about. You know, I wish they'd done this instead. Or, you know, here's a way they could have gone. It could have been more interesting. But I think everyone agrees, like, oh, Wesley Snipes is in it, and he's so awesome. And he really is. He's very, very funny. He works well with Eddie. I mean, it's like, just Netflix, you know, this is money lying on the ground. Just make, like, five buddy comedies with Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes. <laughs> I will fucking watch all of them. I will upgrade my Netflix um, deal or whatever. Just do that. You know, so uh, money lying yeah, on the Wesley- ground. I love that. <laughs> Wesley Snipes, he, he's back, baby. <laughs> I've just looked at our um, our running time for the card. We've got four minutes left. Do we have time to sneak in one more question? Let's do it. Let's try and cram one more in, shall we? Let, we let's do it. Do it and I'll try to talk so much. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last question here, Nora. Now, is it Nora Cocker or Nora Coker? I th- I'm going to say Coker. Okay, and she'll probably. Get into get in our faces and say, say, that is not how you pronounce it. And then she'll be upset because I use that accent. This is a question you said you might have an answer for, but it's basically she says, what mostly permanent changes to the characters do you think worked best and what didn't? She watched this episode and realized how surprised she was that it took until season 13 for Lisa to become a Buddhist. She's also a little surprised watching season five and six and realizing that Lisa's still not a vegetarian yet. I do agree with that. I do think it's kind of jarring when you watch the early Simpsons and see her eating meat. It's like, oh, yeah. She wasn't a vegetarian until like season seven or season six or whatever. I think the character of Barney becoming sober didn't yeah. work. Didn't work. Likewise, yeah, yeah. That's that's the one for me. That, yeah. If you think of ones that didn't stand, that didn't work, that's the one that stands out to me because his whole humor came from the fact that he was like the town drunk. 
you know. And yeah, essentially. He was just a, a stereotypical drunk. And once you take that aspect away from him, it's like, well, what has he got? Yeah, he's just a, a barfly who doesn't drink. Yeah, and he sort of feels uncomfortable being with his friends. It's just like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. So that, that for me is the one that... um. I, I, I do think Lisa becoming vegetarian is the one that worked the best, for sure. I, I am 100% in agreement with you on that. Lisa's changes have worked. Barney's change did not work. Yeah, not at all. Alrighty, guys, thank you for sending in your mailbag questions. We're sorry we didn't get to too, too many of them this week, but we are running out of time. I hope you enjoyed our review of She of Little Faith. Next week, we're going to be doing our review on the episode called, I think, I believe it's Brawl, yeah, Brawl in the Family. Another episode that I don't have too many memories of. So I believe this is definitely have to have been the time where I stopped watching The Simpsons every week because I know <laughs> I've watched this episode, but I have no recollection of it. So maybe I watched these episodes, but I just went, yeah, I don't need to watch that one again. But, you know... I do look forward to watching us at Brawl in the Family. I'm not even going to read the synopsis. I just want to I just want to go in fresh and just see whether I enjoy see whether it entertains do me. Do it. Don't forget, guys, to rate and review us in the iTunes store. We appreciate everyone who's already taken the time to do so. Chucked us five stars and left a few kind words. If you haven't done it yet, please do. I do read all the reviews and it is, as I said, much appreciated. Uh, if you want this show a week early, as well as all our other podcasts, Talking Seinfeld's even like four or five weeks early, as well as access into our four-figure discount revisited classics where each month uh, patrons decide a episode, an episode from the golden era for us to review. Just going to be a four-finger discount patron, patreon.com slash four-finger discount. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at fourfingerpod and Instagram at four-finger discount. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for our amazing, beautiful, chill listeners? These words are more for you, Dando. Hmm. Baking up that sausage, boy. <laughs> Sounds delightful. <laughs> Shh.